Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Catapulta podcast. Today, Yusral is joining us again. Do you want to introduce yourselves Hello. for the third time? <laughs> Indeed, I, I I can't believe you're having me back. Uh, I am Yusral. I am one of the muted... Well, I suppose technically it was more like Barratry than mutiny. I'm one of the XCCs, and... For some reason, these guys still think my opinion has any weight whatsoever. So we'll just carry on for the next hour and a half, talk over the last week or so's worth, and I suppose generally shoot the ship. And maybe shoot some ships as well. Yeah, so uh, we have actually a few dev blocks, I think, to talk about, starting with technical issues that occurred with 10.8 and then they, they now, uh, well, some of them are now fixed. So I guess the most uh, known one is the torpedo bug that was uh, hilarious and sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be a fix that made things worse, <laughs> essentially. What gets me is that if we go back to the 10.8, if we go back to pre-10.8, they were saying, okay, we knew about this first torpedo bug. We squelched it. We put it into QA for a couple of months, as I remember the article. I'm sure one of you guys can correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Not exactly Z-Files. They did not make it worse. They squelched the original bug and in the process introduced a completely new torpedo bug. And despite this somehow having been testing for, what was it, two months? Three? I think three patch cycles we had the old. Yeah. We, we find fun. this new bug within a matter of hours of the patch going live. And you're just left wondering, how did that get through? That yeah, it's is the most baffling part by far. Like, you, you tested this? Really? Are you sure? Are you sure you tested this? I mean, when they said that they took so long to fix the original bug because of Q&A, right? And they, they, I think in a live stream, they said, like, look, this is like a game logic bug and it's not so easy to fix. And we need to make sure that we don't introduce another bug when fixing this. So it needs proper testing and we could do it in a week, but we want to do it properly, right? And in their big, like, statement letter, they also said that the reason it took so long is because it was properly tested. And then they introduce an even worse bug, right? And it's just like once again showing how full of shit they are. And now they actually managed to fix the new bug within a week. And and it's hilarious that they ran this second fix through forty eight hours of testing. And it thus far, I'm believe it's come out okay. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody is reporting any critical issues yet. But hey, the weekend is young. Yeah, I mean, sure, like, uh, we will see if they screwed something else up, but so far, also, like, they, they gave the schedule, like, where they said they are testing it on the 14th, so it wasn't even a week, and they already had basically a fix in the works, and then they took two days of testing, right, or so, and then uh, they implemented it and fixed it within a week, right, and originally they said, like, yeah, we can maybe fix something in a week, but then we wouldn't be properly testing it. And now they are just showing us that it's doable, right? What we all actually knew. But... Well, in, in fairness to Wargaming, they had said that they could have rushed out the first fix a lot quicker than they did. Uh, but it's just the irony that this snap fix has gone in cleanly when their supposedly meticulously tested fix just broke something else. 
just as critical and it was on the community within hours that it had broken something critical so welcome welcome to q a you know the old rhyme don't you 99 bugs left in your code <laughs> patch one out recompile your code 106 bugs left in your code <laughs> I, I don't want to be fair to them like not all not all bugs and errors are equal in terms of how easy they are to find the root cause of and then, you know, eliminate. Oh, true. Don't I know it? Uh, I have been chasing an error in my graphics card for months for reasons. Uh, it's possible the thing they had to fix was easier to fix than the thing that was previously broken, but who knows? At the end of the day, we only sure. have a word on it. But the thing is that they claimed that the main reason it took them so long was proper testing, which we know yeah. has not occurred. And now they basically they they say, okay, we can test a new thing in two days. Basically, they now gave us a timetable where they're like, okay, we can test a new fix in two days. Basically, you know, invalidating their whole argument they had earlier. Well, so, I wouldn't say it was invalidating it. It's just... Okay, you know what? This, this first bug might have been hellishly buried in the logic. This second one might have been, okay, that's what's broken. Here's a fix. This doesn't look like a knock-on. Let's roll it and see what happens. And they did say in the dev blog 208, if it fails on PT or if it, if it fails in any testing, we're, we're just going to revert the original tort bug fix and go back to what we had before. So it looks like it's paid off for Wargaming, and credit to them, credit to the STs and anyone else who dived in on the public test to help out. And there's another interesting one, which just shows how hellish this whole process can be. Sometimes it's nothing in your code. Sometimes it's an interaction with a third party. So if you scroll down in 208, there's a comment on a mouse input bug. Oh, yeah. And it's nothing to do... Well, it's not necessarily Wargaming's fault. It's uh, Hoi's... PC manager that is doing some yeah. weird with the user with the inputs and passing it off and it's all going nuts there. So I mean how how do Wargaming get to test that? Um I mean okay. Do either of you have off the shelf PCs? No. no. Does anyone in the audience have an off the shelf PC? <laughs> I mean, what's anyone? even an off-the-shelf PC these days? You know, I mean, there it, are like exactly. hundreds of uh, companies. If you if you go to to like Dell or if you go to HP or if you go to any company that builds PCs, they all have the different stuff. And sometimes they even have they don't even use like regular components. They they make their own components so people can't easily upgrade it or so that they can screw them over more. Oh, oh don't get me started on Dell. Uh... <clears throat> yes, but that's my <laughs> point. This this is not an Xbox. This is not a PlayStation Five. Yeah. This is not a single known locked hardware and software environment. Uh, stuff gets through, and sometimes it really isn't Wargaming's fault that stuff yeah. gets through. I mean, the, I mean, the mouse the input bug definitely. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I've been having hell with my graphics card for a couple of months because Nvidia's auto overclock likes to get optimistic and dive in and push the chip a little past what it's capable of. I I can't go blame the devs for that. Doesn't mean the games aren't were bombing out on me at semi-regular intervals, but I think I've finally got a handle on it. 
So as nice and tempting as it is to point and laugh and go, ha ha, Ouija crap, um, uh, it's not that simple a lot of the time. So we we have to give them a certain margin. Of course, when they say they've tested a fix for two months and then it breaks something else, yeah, <laughs> yeah we are going to point and laugh. But in that case, it, they largely had it coming, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. One, one always has to look at what the uh, bug is we're talking about. Like, uh, not catching a bug that only appears on certain PCs, that's something understandable. Not catching a bug that affects everyone and is so blatantly obvious. Is Also, it was incredibly hilarious because, uh, like, when you, you aimed your, you had to aim high for your torps to hit, basically, so... Basically, I kept saying you just aim for the stars, right? Because if you're if you were launching torpedoes and you were looking at the sky, then they were pretty accurate. Yeah. And it it helped me remember because it's like if you have played a game for years and you talk a certain way, you are not certainly changing like your your habits, right? So you need to make it something remembering. And if you always keep on going aim for the stars, then you might actually remember in that crucial moment to launch your torps properly. So it was sad and hilarious at the same time. Maybe. Um, they're still trying to nail down the bug with Missouri's ballistics. And if there is one ship they did not want to pick up a bug this month, <laughs> <laughs> why did it have to be Missouri that had the whacked out ballistics? Uh, I, can, I can imagine the screams over in St. Petersburg when that issue flagged up. I mean, it's also interesting because it only affects one turret. And you'd... I mean, we all know, like, uh, fixing a bug like that, that's going to be true horror, right? Because you have something that's inconsistent, that's not uh, easily reproducible, but happens again and again. You just yeah. don't know why. And then it affects only one turret, even though the turrets should be identical. Yeah, um, and it's that it's not occurring consistently that turns it into troubleshooting hell. Yeah. But there is uh, there is something interesting because they couldn't help themselves uh, to to point in as statistics show it doesn't have a critical impact on the ship's efficiency, right? Well, we're graciously really... going to fix it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's like if you have a bug, you fix it, right? There shouldn't be like, well, I mean, if the bug is like if it's only affecting the uh, like a little bit, maybe we keep it. It's. Oh, well. Yeah, I can understand the prioritization issue, especially when they've got the torque bug causing merry hell for sure. what, two-thirds of the ships in the game, if not more. I can understand why an intermittent, hard-to-nail-down issue is going to be lower on the priority tree. But it, yeah, just but had to be, it just had to be the Missouri. And there's also the... It, there's, also, there's also the... the I don't know what to use the word, but I can't think of a better one. The gaslighting side of it. Um, yes, there's a bug, but it's not important. It's not critical yeah, exactly. in the yeah. stats. I mean, it yeah, might be yeah. a, well, a bad translation again, but however, in spite of that, we'll continue on working on finding reasons. It's, it almost sounds like a logical conclusion would be to ignore the bug. Right? You know what Wargaming, and that's why a lot of people, I guess, accuse them of maybe not playing their own game, because the way Wargaming treats this would be like, let, let's assume uh, employees complain that there is an obstruction and they have trouble getting to their offices, right? And they go look at the statistics and they're like, okay, people are like on average one or two minutes late, so this isn't really an issue we should be looking into, right? 
And then I'm playing. Meanwhile, look. there's still a broken pipe spilling sewage into the main entrance corridor. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, wait. Like the, the the gate is frosted shut, and people have to climb a fence, right? And they maybe even tear their clothes and get dirty, or even scrape themselves. And they look at it. Yeah, but why is that a problem? It only makes you like one or two minutes late. Why should that be our priority, right? They don't yeah. think about the people that actually have to experience the thing. They are just looking at everything at a spreadsheet, right? And that's why I feel like their prioritization is, is often messed up because fi simple fixes, like even when you go back to not bugs, to the uh, captain skills, right? To, to the dead eye issue. That's something they copy pasted another skill. That should be something that could be doable in one day, right? If you're making a new captain skill system, you Better well make it in a way that you can easily change out the captain skills, especially if you just have to replace one with an existing one, copy paste it, right? And it took them what three months, six months? It took them. It it took them. I I think uh, a few months to to accept that it's a problem, right? Because they kept their head in the sand, and once they accepted it, it took them like two or three months more to copy paste another skill in, simply because it was so low on the priority issue, despite it being something that affects people. Yeah. Um, just to pick up a question from chat, SJR46 is asking if the what the compensation will be from Wargaming for the Torbergs. The answer is we don't know. Or at least I haven't heard anything. So uh, we'll find that out when Wargaming tells us, basically. I mean, we'll, we'll make our way through the dev blocks. There's an update on that where they said that they have the bug fixed. I don't think there was any mention of compensation, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I hadn't heard anything, but then again, I might have missed a few details. Okay, so moving on, 10.9, blog 209. And that's actually pretty simple. Changes, yeah. yes, changes will be applied. I think they've literally just changed the name to Airstrike Modification 1 and added it to the Dutch cruisers. So... Yeah, uh, makes you wonder if the Dutch cruisers are going to get anti-sub aircraft as a loadout option. Impossible. Yeah. What does that mod even do? Unless they're applying it to the Dutch airstrike. But I thought that mod just affected. Hmm. It's one of those short I mean... ones that manages to raise as many questions as it answers. I mean, it's something that I really don't care because basically they renamed a module. Okay, great. And then they added it to Dutch cruisers. But from the original anti-submarine aircraft modification, it sounds like it affects the anti-submarine aircraft. Maybe. But, uh, Let me dig up the uh, details. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it's not going to be the most exciting thing. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, Anti-sub... Here we are. Anti-sub anti aircraft mod 1 slot 3 upgrade is moved to slot 4. I'm reading this off devblog181, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, plus 25% to the HP of depth charge airstrike aircraft, plus 15% to the damage of depth charges, Bonus reload time reduced from 40% to 20%, which is all specific to depth charges rather than bombs. So unless they're planning, or unless their code treats the Dutch bombs as being a variant depth charge, which 
for the same basic <laughs> mechanic, it would not be a hard tweak. Just need to change the fusing. I I don't see how that's going to affect the Dutch unless their their parachute bombs really are just a weird variant of depth charge. You know, you might be onto something because they removed the anti-submarine from the name, right? They 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 renamed it to Airschaft mod. So it's, pos- it's possible that they just make a mod that affects Dutch airstrikes. But if that's yeah. the case, they could have formulated that so much better. And they could also change names so it's just plus weapon damage and plus HP in general. Uh, again, it is early days on that change. We'll see what happens when people have actually had a chance to look at PT-10-9 and give some feedback on it. But it, to me, they're either giving Dutch aircraft ASW as an option, or they are just flatly boosting Dutch planes and picking a rather roundabout way to do it. Mm. It's hard to tell without any context. And you'd still need an upgrade slot, so, you know, you'd lose something for mounting this. Opportunity cost, that's what the upgrade, that's the decision all the upgrade slots force on you. Mind you, slot four. That's isn't that big? That's that's not the tier eight slot. I mean, that's the yeah. important one. That's the tier seven. I want to say. Uh, so I, I don't, don't even know when the slots are getting added. I I don't think it is going to force you to step away from concealment mod if you want the extra boom. I don't think. I could be wrong. Wait, are, how many mod slots do you have? Tier 1, 2, 3, 4... I Aren't think 6 fun? in total. Slot 6 comes in at Tier 9. Maybe. Slot 5 is Tier 8, 4 is 6 or 7. I mean, the, the first one, two, one is not that interesting. The second one is this where we have, like, for example, the top... No, wait... The second one is not that interesting. It protects steering and such, right? If the third one is where you get your accuracy. What was the fourth one? Damage control, rudder shift, and, acceler- and or acceleration. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. And then yeah. fifth slot is concealment. Sixth slot is typically rate of fire. Yeah. For most people. Yeah, well, anyway. We'll have to see what this does. But for a more exciting topic, people can actually vote on the look of a new map. That's Yeah. The, the, I don't know if this is purely someone that has decided to genuinely get a bit more community involvement or if someone's just thought, right, we need to repair some bridges that have all burned down, so... Oh, oh it's undoubtedly bridge repairing, but let's face <laughs> it, everything that Wargaming do for the next year is going to be have an element of bridge repair to it. Yeah, I expect um, so. However, choose the look of a new map. Um, at the back of my head, something is whispering going, hang on, but doesn't this imply that they haven't really been working on the maps prior to well, this? It- implies i mean the, the look of the map might not be that important relative to the job yeah the actual the layout of the map. yeah they probably already have a layout in mind but then they flesh it out with the the more mm. you know at the same at the same thing. time 
the profiles of these train sets are so different that you kind of wonder how that's possible. And I have to admit, my response to all of to this is actually, um, I'll have all of them, please, in separate <laughs> maps. Yeah, they all um, Yes, nice. yes, please, all of them. <laughs> I like them all, Gib. Uh, it had to be Kamchatka, though, didn't it? The jokes are going to be writing themselves. I mean, the the thing is, what Wargaming said when they announced the, the maps is that they said the first map, with which brings like a different mechanic, is the one that's going to come next year, right? And I think that the set for that map is already decided. And then they uh, said there's another map that they are working on, and for that is the vote. So it's going to be the map that could come out next year, but probably the year after. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I, is, I, I uh, want to be optimistic, but my cynicism keeps jumping in the way. I'm, I'm still wondering about what this new mechanic's going to be. I, I think it's going to be destroyable icebergs or similar, because they prototype that right the way back in the apocalypse event a couple of years ago now and with the destroyable skyscrapers and it it just went away after that i wonder if it's taken them this long to get around to doing a map that actually uses that Mm -hmm. possible i mean i'm i'm uh, cautiously excited about it anyway yeah, I, I think I will join you in that cautious excitement. New maps will be good because I, I know everyone looks at the pretty ships, but unless you've got maps to play and fight with them on, it's all okay. Why are we doing the same old, same old again? Yeah. And uh, I like that they are accepting... Uh... Uh, votes from the community, right? It's it's yeah. including the community is definitely a right step. Absolutely, and as you as Jedi said, this this has a certain air of okay, let's go back three four years in terms of community relations. Let's rebuild the bridges. Let's get things back onto uh, if not friends, then friendly relationship. Mm. Just on these maps that come with a new game mode, I don't think so. Uh, just, just a new me- like they said, the one map will have a new mechanic. Like usual, said it could be like destroyable ice, uh, icebergs or something. But it's just gonna be like the, the usual game modes on those maps, right? If they are working on a new game mode, then it has nothing to do with those maps, as far as I know. Yeah, and if they're working on a new PvP game mode, they will almost certainly want it to be compatible with all the existing maps just to yeah. just to keep the matchmaker pool as broad as possible. Could you damage an island with ramming? If they're destructive. I, I I I know a lot of people of late who would dearly like some revenge for those <laughs> inverted groundings, so hey, you never know. Well, it depend on the certain types of rock, maybe like or something super soft, like um, you know pumice or sandstone or something. Yeah. I, I think even then you would be explaining the dents in your ship away. However, as far as the rest of it goes, I think there are just three words that need to be said: Avenge the Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, that's from this, this trailer a few years ago, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that has <laughs> been in a yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was in one of their trailers, they say, about five years ago now. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see that delivered on, even inadvertently. Um, as I said, that, that is purely uninformed speculation on my part from my mental list of things Wargaming have quietly tested in holiday events that we haven't seen come back yet. I mean, I'd still also like the idea of just moving uh, icebergs, like move, moving cover. Yeah. You, you could do some interesting stuff. Yeah, di- dynamic maps would be interesting. Mm. Just dynamic maps in general. So, yeah. yeah, sure, you can try to cap behind the iceberg. You do realize the iceberg is going to move. <laughs> I can see that making life very complicated for some of the uh, campier cruisers and battleships. I mean, it would depend how they are moving and where. But generally, I'd like more dynamic stuff. I mean, we have the cyclone, which sometimes appears, but they they could do a lot more with, for example, weather effects, right? They could have... uh, They could also try to use weather effects to improve the gameplay in a sense, right? You could have an effect that's just the outer edges of the map, right? Uh, Forcing... uh, Reducing vision there to make sniping more difficult or something like that force people to to away from the zone walls. They could have an effect over the camp. Like, they could have rough winds over the camp circle so that the carrier is, let's say, the carrier is is hindered, right, to to make it easier for destroyers, maybe to do the objectives. There are so many things. You could just have a rough winds as a zone that walks around the map that impedes aircraft or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. With a caveat that there's a switch to turn these off in the training room. Because can you imagine the King of the Sea final getting decided by something like that? (laughs) They'd be throwing... The audience would be throwing rocks at the screen. I mean, yes, but for for random battles, you know, I feel like there is a lot of potential there. You could also have something that's not entirely a cyclone, or you could have some fog or something that just affects vision a little bit, or things that affect accuracy, or, you know... Uh, I uh, also like night. I mean, doesn't have to be complete night, but dark. It, it's getting darker, and maybe even having a bit of a gameplay effect, and so on. I feel like that's so much unexplored things that doesn't require them to dis- yeah. redesign a map. And the best bit of, of those map modifiers is if you can apply them to the existing maps, you essentially get a new map. Hey Sam, uh, for. Uh... Much less effort than doing a whole map from scratch. You get the same kind of gameplay twists. Mm. I think anything that, like, uh, we all know that often games get quite stale, right? And there is a lot of camping going on, and it's not so. Yeah, and I feel like anything that shakes up the meta a bit or that, that makes a changing situation that you have to adapt to. If it's done right, obviously, I mean, all of this would need testing. But I feel like that that's, there is a lot of potential in it that could make games a lot more exciting. Yes, uh, Dosney is suggesting random spawning Reaper Leviathans to the map. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Had enough of those. <laughs> uh, SJR46, too complicated for CV players to deal with. Moving Not CV players, but the autopilot's going to need a bit of a tweak to handle dynamic terrain, which is one of those little knock-on consequences that isn't immediately obvious. 
because I, I don't know how the autopilot is programmed and what assumptions it's making. I, I suppose you could, I don't think it's completely nodal. It's not running on a, I don't think it's running on an internal grid. Maybe it is. Huh. You know, that might be also, asking about. this also brings up the question, how are bots working, right? Are bots, do, can bots deal with, with, uh, do they have like certain behavior based on the map or are they just generic bots that can deal with islands or moving islands? Uh, SJR autopilot was always programmed to avoid islands. If you tell an autopilot to take a course, it'll plot something that curves around any islands that get in the way. Um, which ironically enough can actually cause trouble when it tries putting your carrier into reverse when you really, really, really want it to be going forwards because that destroyer is coming around the corner and I'd like to be doing more than 10 knots now. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm sure we've all had that feeling. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the mechanics of the autopilot's navigation. Uh, I don't think Wargaming have ever shared. I mean, uh, we are all happy if the autopilot actually does what... I mean, I'm not sure Wargaming exactly knows what the autopilot does. The autopilot doesn't know itself what it does most of the time. <laughs> it certainly gives that impression, doesn't it? Oh. There is a worry that someday the autopilot might achieve sentience and... I think that's at <laughs> least one of half a dozen end-of-the-world scenarios, actually, <laughs> but there you go. But it could be an upgrade. If the autopilot achieves sentience, it could actually navigate. It just if the autopilot nice achieves thing. sentience, it'll probably start wondering what the hell it's doing piloting f <laughs> virtual floaty boats around, and then we're all in trouble, especially if it gets its hands on the real thing. So... Yeah, I new maps are good. New maps are yes. really good. I I think is the short takeaway from that. And as you say, it's uh, you're you're right. Actually, my cynicism was unjustified, as you pointed out. Their first map next year must already be far enough along that this kind of thing is no longer relevant. So that must be the map after next that they're talking about. That's actually what I said. I think uh, Sub Octavian said that in the Q&A. But I remember mm. they mentioned that in a stream that the vote is for the next map. Viper Sox. Supposedly, yes. Yes. That's actually the next topic here is the fixes for technical issues. So they, I, I was in a training room for like five minutes and it seems to be working, right? They said uh, the bug is fixed, and so far it looks fixed. If they have broken anything else, time will tell. But so far it looks like there is no more top bug. You can turn and top, you can stand still and top, you can look at the water and top, you don't have to be stargazing anymore. Right. Uh, otherwise, you can't blame the bugs for terrible aim anymore. <laughs> oh. You just blame enemy movement, that always works. Or hydro, or anything and, but you. And I mean, there you still obviously have what torpedoes always do. Is right, you can't decide how big the gaps between your torpedoes are. So <laughs> there will always be that nicely battleship-sized gap. Right? Always, always, right when you don't need it. 
But yeah, they are also once again like sent the, the timetable right on the 14th. They tested it inside the studio. On the 15th, they tested it with super testers, and on the 16th, they analyzed the results and then they rolled it out today. Yeah, and again, credit to Wargaming for actually putting up this timetable and giving us a schedule, giving yeah. us information to work with. More of this, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for once, they they actually they acknowledge the problem exists. That's something that takes them sometimes ages, but they very quickly acknowledge the problem exists. They put up a timetable how they were going to fix it. Then they kept to their timetable on how they're going to fix it, and now it's fixed. So for once, Wargaming actually had a decent reaction to this. And if they keep doing this, then I'm... It's Only this outcome. was the norm instead of, you know, yeah. the other thing. Instead of the thing we had to riot to get them round to. The yeah. other nice thing I liked about it is the in the first bug they said, what they also said was, if this does not work, if it either doesn't fix the bug or it breaks something else, we are just going to revert the 10.8 fix back. Yeah. So they they laid out what the problem was, they laid out their initial plan, they laid out their testing sequence, and they laid out their contingency plan if it all went sideways. So, yes, props to Wargaming. Good on them for the way they've handled this. It's a very promising sign. I have to add just a tiny bit of cynicism to that, because what I really noticed was in the last week, the amount of destroyers declined drastically. I've been in games tier 10 prime time with no destroyers or with one destroyer as the only destroyer. So this bug actually seemed to have influenced how many people play destroyers, at least in my experience. So that might be a reason why they reacted this quickly, but it's good that they reacted this quickly, right? I won't take anything away from that, but a tiny bit of cynicism is that maybe the impact was this big that they just couldn't ignore it anymore. It's possible. Um, I would also note there's the sheer embarrassment factor of, hey, we fixed torpedoes. Oh, wait, we've broken torpedoes in a new <laughs> interesting way. Um, and also, as you point out, it wiped out a good chunk of gameplay for uh, just shy of a third of the player base. Whoops. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm going to say Hazar Wargaming. And I realize that that, is a, that has been an unfortunately rare thing for the last six weeks or so from all of us. Yeah. And yeah. In, in continuing with the communication, they said that they uh, found a problem with the Missouri scans, but uh, they'll, it will be fixed in 10.9, which for walking is already pretty quickly. They'll be like, okay, we think we can fix it in a patch, which is already a big step forward. As well, yeah, and again, they're they're making the completely reasonable point that this bug is intermittent, which is going to make it a pain in the neck to troubleshoot and run down. So yeah, they want to take another few weeks, make sure it's stable. And you know what? I am completely fine with that. Yeah. While echoing the opinion that of course it had to be the Missouri, didn't it? <laughs> And then actually an update on the mouse bug, because it looks like uh, it's not only occurring on Huawei devices, so uh, the first assumption proved out to be wrong. I mean, once again, if it's a bug that's not that freak, it's, it's hard to track down things like that, but they seem to be taking it uh, seriously. 
And so they fix, they put an incorrect fix in because obviously if you think that a Huawei software is triggering it and you're trying to fix that and then you it turns out that your initial assumption was wrong, then maybe you break something else. But, you know, I, I like this. They're communicating with us. Even if they make an error, they are like, okay, we, we, uh, got it wrong. Now we're trying to fix something different. It's like, this is, this is what I want, right? Proper communication. Tell us where we are at. Tell us what you're working in. Tell us what you're doing. And, you know, it's a lot easier to, to accept the bug when we know that it's properly being worked on. Yes. Although if you're going through notice criticism, okay, technical issues, Forcing a delayed deployment of Microsoft. I'll bet you anything that's Microsoft certification process causing them issues. Possibly. Yeah, because I can't see what else it could be. But rather than just hiding behind the vague technical issues, which always tends to produce a wall of cynicism, they could just say, we need to run this through Microsoft certification process to get it on the store. That's going to take a bit more time. We're sorry, guys, but it's out of our control. So they they could still tighten up a little. Mm. If if it's if it's a factor that's out of their control, just say, look, here's here's the issue. This is why we can patch it on our launcher, but we can't run the fix on Microsoft Store or the PlayStation Store until XYZ, because we've got to jump through these extra hoops with Microsoft with Sony with Steam, if necessary. Yeah. Also, by the way, I just found it in the bottom. It says that uh, they'll publish a news article on the portal next week, and there you can claim three days of premium, so that's the compensation for, for the problems people have. Okay, so yay, SJR, there's your answer. Woohoo! So yeah, Wargaming actually getting their communications together. Hooray, again! Wow! <laughs> I we mean, have, we've, uh, had, we've had two articles suddenly where we were actually positive about wargaming. Somebody go and check the thermostat in hell. <laughs> it's it's getting worse in that sense. They are actually communicating even more about in the next topic clan battles. They are actually, I mean, you know, obviously they they decided uh, to to have a clan battle season six with two carriers where everybody told them this is a bad idea and walking was like we're going to do it anyway and then it turned out it was uh, a bad idea oh look it was a bad idea yeah <laughs> who saw that one coming but uh, they are now actually sharing data, which is something that Wargaming usually doesn't do, which is very surprising and very nice, right so they they said their original reasoning, which is that they basically did something that nobody wanted them to do because they can. And then it turns out everybody else was right. And uh, then they implied some restrictions and the restrictions they go into, right, for why they banned something. Okay, I, I do have a little reservation here. Your live server should not really be your testing ground. Mm. I mean, true. Um, I appreciate there are occasions where you need the massive population, and you can't, and you can't even bribe people onto the test server. That is an issue that every MMO has got. But they've been very keen. I think this is about the third time in as many months, if not less, that we've seen wargaming test something in ranked or in clans to try and get a bigger test population. And it's kind of... 
not blown up in their face, but has emitted some very nasty smells. Yeah. I mean, but true. Um, it's not really ever been popular. No. I, uh, and particularly ranked and clans where people are more invested. Um, as I say, there's something of, should you really be using this as your testing ground? Do Maybe even do what you did with subs and put a sandbox on the live server. And then probably attach some fairly heavy bribes to get people just in the door. Although I have to say, like, the two carriers, it's... I mean, testing... They didn't test any mechanic. What they did was put two carriers in it. But the, the thing is that Wargaming just... They still live in a bit in a bubble. They don't want to accept that carriers are not really balanced and not really that popular and not really something that people really crave. And they just, they're still trying to shove carriers down our throat. It, it just seems like somebody is like, no, we, we are going to force people to, we are going to force those carriers on people, right? And, uh, so, well, unsurprisingly, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> Well, it completely worked out that way, which is what everyone had said it was going to work out. So, yes, uh, let's see. What kind of numbers were they throwing around? So they had the sense to ban the Shbay and out of the box. And I, yes, Graf Shbay and, and HSF Shbay were not allowed because the last time they'd done a tier six competitive, the Shbay had just run rampant. Hello, yes. Sam's tail. <laughs> uh, and then Ryuju and Lervenhart, 83% of battles. Yes. Five sixths. I mean, just yikes. <laughs> yeah, yes, um... that's, um, that, that's, that's definitely without the, uh, the, the margin of error, as it were. Well, yeah, that's not going to be failing a T-test yeah. no. So the question that I ask now is, is Wargaming actually taking the hint and be like, well, maybe those carriers are overpowered and need rebalancing? Or are they like, oh, well, no, this is, uh, this is, uh, we, 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 that, that's fine, that's... Uh, they they took the hint fairly quickly, and I point out to you that Leuvenhardt's already been withdrawn from sale as well. It's on the naughty list. Oh, yeah. So... In that respect, I think they have taken the hint. We'll see if Ryuju eats any nerfs over the next couple of months, because clans is one thing, randoms is quite another. And True, the fact but... that you only have one carrier in 12 as opposed to two carriers in six does tend to dilute because you get more overlapped flak in any given area for the CV to deal with. True, but if you compare it like with the other carriers, I mean, we're not talking about general carriers. We all know carriers are too strong anyway, but it's it's compared to the others, right? If it's so heavily picked and it's performing so much better than uh, the other tier six carriers, then, you know, this is something obviously to look into and bring it in line with those. Give me a sec to pop uh, WoW's numbers. Uh, you want to... But uh, can you even... I mean... It only offers lifetime starts, right? So it does never take into account like what, or, or can you look at like the, the last month or two? Because that, that's always the problem, right? The game constantly evolves and ships get changed. So lifetime starts uh, for a ship that's been well, uh, long in the game are very terrible. Well, the nice thing about Ryuji, of course, is that the carrier rework essentially reset all the stats to that point. 
Yeah, but it's, there have been changes so, since then. In terms of tier six... Okay, I think we can discard the Selv. That's only got 538 battles to its credit. Um, but even counting from the rework, uh, Ryuju's got 2.2 million. Ranger's got 2.3 million. There's point. There's 2% difference there. Uh, Furious is 1.4 million. Vesa's three quarters, but she was later... Uh, Arc, quarter million, but premium. Love and Heart, ironically enough, 124,000 as a Serov. Yeah. The problem is that the next two cows I think we all thought were going to dominate were Arc and... I don't know, which one were we all saying was number four? Because we were... I, I think mean, the I was don't remember, but Mush. I'm not the carrier expert. Yeah. Um, I think the general conclusion was that Ark was going to be the third choice for a lot of people. But, um, yeah, if there's a way of breaking it down, I'm not 100% sure. It would I mean, be nice if there was, but I don't think, I'm not sure the UI and the API support it, which is annoying, I mean, the, the but... quite telling thing is that two aircraft carrier win rate before the bans was like 51.28 and it got down to 46.4. That's a very big difference. And all they did was block the two most popular carriers. So you like, yes, you can see that they were just massively more influential than, than the, the other carriers at the tier. Yeah. Um, interestingly, they, they had a, uh, Another approach, they tried to make it more accessible by bringing it down to tier six, which is apparently where quite a good chunk of the population still is. Um, and the popularity dropped through the floor compared to tier 10. So yeah, uh, there, will, there will not be further tier six clan battle seasons for the foreseeable future. Although here is something that, that right, is it? But tier six is the problem, or is it, for example, that you made it to aircraft carrier season that everybody told you would suck and a lot of people were not that hyped for anyway? Like they said, this is, this, this is uh, you know, you basically made the most hated lineup that you could possibly have, and then you're like, oh, people are not playing, this must be tier six. I'm, I do wonder. I mean, this is kind of why your science teachers always told you to only change one variable at once in your experiments. Uh, but yes, wargaming mm, weren't paying attention in those lessons. <laughs> I maybe, maybe. But uh, at this point, I think they've poisoned the well at tier six enough that they're not going to be able to come back to it for a while. I mean, it could um, also be that tier six isn't the. I mean, I'm not playing that much tier six, but maybe tier six just isn't the best. But I mean, the T sixty one is kind of a very strong ship. Del the. Uh, I guess it's somewhat similar in play. The Graf Spee is just a very strong choice because it, it has the heal, the torpedoes, the good hydro, and so on. So maybe there are just some ships that are not fit for, for, uh, competitive. Because in like, obviously in a random battle, having a ship that's a little bit stronger isn't going to make that much of a difference because a lot of people might not know how to get the most out of it. But especially in competitive, I think you really feel it if the balance is off. And the Certainly. other thing about the Spey at Tier 6 course is that she's got significant overmatch capability because yes. of those 11-inch guns. But the competitive modes, the other thing is competitive modes tend to have 
much smaller numbers, so the influence there is greater as well, potentially, compared to a yeah. half B12. Mm, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so again, Wargaming breaking down what they changed, why they changed it, what the effects were. More of this again. Please, please keep it coming. We, yeah, we like they, information. They're actually showing the popularity and the win rate and even like it in Typhon Motoric and League separately. So we'll see like in the higher. So a one aircraft caravan battleship was sort of the best choice in, in high skill, I suppose, and a slightly worse choice in Excuse me while I put a cat out before he wrecks the place. Oh, yeah. Excuse us while we just watch the... Oh, wait, Sam's gone, right? Okay, that's yeah. that done. Uh, yeah, ViperSock's going to chat for a second. Uh, they did actually try a sandbox on the live server. I don't know what the populations look like, but... Hmm... They clearly didn't think it was enough. Yeah, but the thing is, the reason why people, for example, play ranked is because of the rewards. They need to properly entice people. If they yep. made like a, a sandbox mode that gave you steel or something, or research points, or some, a rare resource that you can't easily get, people would jump into the sandbox, right? The thing is why they yeah. picked ranked is because they hope, because it's ranked, people will still take it somewhat seriously and not throw the ship away, and they play it because they want to get steel. Like, they made steel such a rare resource that they kind of force people to play ranked if they actually ever want to get a steel ship. So they, you know, so they can basically torture them there, and people will still do it because it's their only chance to get steel. True, true. Uh, it does raise the question of how big and how tempting you make the bribe, and, of course, if there are any possible unintended consequences i think think uh perverse outcomes to borrow another term i mean wargaming never has made rank that truly about skill base it was always more of a grind with they mm. they never made like a starcraft ranked system or something where you have like an elo score where you basically get rated based on your battles and so on and so forth they made it a grind right it's something like a lot of game, Hearthstone also have, I'm not sure who invented it, which game first came out with the idea, but I suppose multiple games use it these days, right? Where it's basically just, the idea is if you play enough, you probably end up at the top at some point, because you have ranks where you can't, like, drop down from again. So if you have a safe rank, well, I'm not sure if, if Hearthstone actually had safe ranks, but Wargaming made safe ranks, so if you can't drop down, and if it, statistically, if you go AFK, in ranked, you will end up in ranked one after a certain number of battles. Yeah, I would love to disagree, but I don't think I can. Um... Yeah, they, yeah. They, they never wanted ranked to showcase you. That, that's always the problem that has been in ranked, because there are some people want to play ranked just to know where they stand, right? If you play StarCraft and you're in Bronze League, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Nobody's going to be angry with you because you dare to play like a, a ranked not in Bronze League, right? You're going to have fun in Bronze League. But in World of Warships, it was always like with the, the grind thing, you always threw like the, the good and the bad people or the people who just want to see where they stand into the same pot. And they also just made it a grind, so it means that if you just if you're bad but you play enough, you're still gonna end up always with with like the good boys. They never you you can't like reach an elo rank or so where you are just playing with with people of your skill level. 
So yeah, I, I don't know. Basically, that's probably why they made it into their test ground because ranked has always just been a steel grind. It it has become more obvious just in the recent years. No, uh, again, uh, yeah, I think I have to agree with you there. Um, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a good <laughs> counter-argument to that one, even if I decide to play devil's advocate. So uh, I think we'll just have to accept that one and um, bimble on. So I think that actually brings up to speed on the dev blogs. And okay, drama. There has been surprisingly little of it this week. Yeah, yeah so we haven't really had yeah. anything since the... Okay, last week was a not a good so look. The, so, the, so the bar has been then. a bit high. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, hooray! For once, we have been talking about the game and not about the drama surrounding the game. And so, we can woo, even long may it continue. Yeah, we can even talk a bit more about like some positive things we'd like to see. Well, I mean, we did so bit with the maps with ideas. That you could like make maps more dynamic. What I'd also like to see, for example, when you're about maps, you could do more, I think, with terrain in itself, right? Why isn't there somewhere shallow water where maybe only a destroyer can cross or something like that? Right? I feel like be, they, yeah, like if you have some, maybe a small passage that separates two caps are an easy getaway for destroyer where they can get out or something like that, or uh, just, I mean, make the zone walls all shallow water so battleships can't trend out. Whatever, like, I mean, I feel like you could make a lot of interesting things if you just used terrain a bit more. We all know it's not the most realistic game anyway, and you have battle uh, ships hiding behind islands and using them as cover. Why don't you just go with and see what you can do? True enough. Although, as far as the idea of shallow waters goes... Part of me wants to point out the only way you'd really be able to warn players of that in battleships is either on their maps or by flashing up a huge honking sound saying, Wooga, Wooga, you're about to run yourself aground in the UI. And I how still people would think a good chunk it. of the yeah. battle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my concern as well. I mean, um, you'd have to make it somewhat obvious. That's true. I'm not sure how you'd, you'd have to recolor like the, the ocean floor or something or have it... I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, you, be could, believe you could mark me. it on the minimap. <laughs> yes. Uh, train is using world tanks. Deeper water will drown light tanks, but heavy tanks are because they're bigger. Yeah, you can go into shallows and heavy tanks in what that uh, you can't in a light tank. I mean, I'm not sure how much that actually impacts the uh, crazier French post-war designs. Jedi, I think you do more t tonks than either of us. Um, Stuff like the bat chats. Yeah, it's not... Well, this is going by memory, but there's not really that many maps where it's an issue. I was going to say, I um, maybe the northwest corner of Derpenberg, but the northwest corner of Derpenberg has its own problems. Mm. There used to be, what was it? Um, was it the south coast or serene coast? There was a map of that name. Yeah, like, there were two maps of that name, and there were—I can never remember which one was which—but one of them had a, a kind of beach approach where it was fairly shallow water, but it was only shallow enough to stay alive if you were in a heavy tank, and a lot of medium tanks, light tanks, would just drown if they tried it. But yeah, there's not there's not too many maps where they've done that as a 
as an actual feature where you know certain bits can be folded yeah. only by bigger tanks. Yeah, possibly as noted because how do you jam that information in a player's face? I mean, that's an attack where you can hit reverse and hopefully get yourself out of trouble in a few seconds. In a battleship where it can be three, four minutes to get turned around and backed off an obstacle, a bit more severe as a problem. Mm. So, I mean, I mean it would be interesting, the don't get me wrong, but Adam would play Mary Hell with submarines as well. Now, those seem determined to be forced in. Uh, but I can't help but think that your forums would be full of people raging, my battleship's got stuck in open water, re. Um, <laughs> no, you sailed into a mud flat. Sorry. I mean, they'd I'm... have to change their code any because I never understood why ships get stuck when they sail into an island. You could just like repel them a little bit if they just change the code a bit so that you don't permanently get stuck. That would obviously be something they'd need to do for something like that. The dread phrase just changed the code a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, <laughs> do you want to go tampering with the fundamental laws of physics? Just, yeah, yes. it's, fine. it's fine. Nothing could possibly break or go wrong. Let's just fine. In a in a well, let me see. What of tanks? What of warships is still running on Big World? So it's running yeah, on an engine that is what twelve years old now, if not more. Yeah, I, I mean they they literally bought the Australian company that made Big World, and I think it's just kind of unrecognisable from what it was back then. Yeah, but even so, World of Tanks went over to Core, what, two years ago now? Three? Yes. I what, Warship said they weren't interested at the time. I wonder if that still holds true. And maybe that Core is optimised for short ranges and busy scenes, and Big World is designed to do, well, Big Worlds. Funny that, it's in the name. Uh, but, but I, let's I be honest. Them they weren't interested in core, so yeah. let let's be honest. Changing so that you can no longer get stuck on islands or finding a solution for that is something that should come up anyway. It's just like you know, I don't think that I feel like that there should be a solution for that anyway. But you'd you'd have to. You're right. You'd have to somehow make it obvious that this is shallow water, right? You'd need to like color the ocean ground differently. You'd have to make it market on a mini map or so on, and and you you could probably add breakers to the surface of the waves as well. Yeah, honest, things yeah, like that. Shallow water, and I bet you anything, no matter how obvious you make it, people are going to get stuck. And sure. Blame war gaming. Yeah. But so, you could still um, make it interesting. You just say it's sod it. We're going to have to just ride this and call it the learning curve. Exactly. I mean, that's with anything, right? I mean, all the weather, like the, the cyclone we have, is, and a lot of people are confused by cyclones or by by the storms that are to reduce visibility and so on. And as we discussed Ports, earlier, yes. <laughs> More uh, more weather effects, more dynamic things would be interesting. But anything you implement to the game, obviously, we might confuse some people that don't bother to inform themselves. But, you know, a lot of this can also be fixed by just, you know, adding tutorials, tooltips, videos, stuff like that in the client. Well, not even that. Just put in the game client and say, okay, there's a thunderstorm. Just flash up a tooltip. There's a thunderstorm in effect. Here's what it will do to you. You're heading towards shallow water. Here's what's going to happen. There's a cyclone coming. 
visibility. Well, actually, they do it in the game, don't they? Cyclone inbound visibility will reduce to eight kilometers in XXX. Yeah, but they don't explain what that means. They don't explain that you can, like, I've seen a lot of ships that are asking for spotting in a cyclone while they are sitting 20 kilometers away from the battle at the zone wall. Because they don't understand that visibility outcomes, it could mean that you can only see ships yourself for eight kilometers, but you can still profit from spotting from others, right? But that's never explained that that doesn't happen, that you actually, like, you can't profit from other people's spotting unless ship is eight kilometers. And that's the yeah. crucial part that you need to explain. And that could just be a tooltip on the screen or something that you can bring up, right? But it's yes. not. They, the, the... Foo's brought up at this point. The bouncing ship seems to be more common these days, so not sure what's going on there. You mean when you run into an island and you just like go space? Mm, just the ship's going yeah. boing, yeah. boing, 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 boing in general. Um, but uh, it's it's a uh, it's a weird one. That will die when it crashes into the ground. Uh, okay, so that's worth knowing. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, I'd love to see more train. I'd love to see more maps. I'd love to see Wargaming recognize that they need the stuff that they can't directly monetize as much as the stuff that they can. Yeah, just actually make a good it, game, right? Yes. And hopefully it's starting to sink in in St. Petersburg. It's a shame we had to riot to get it to this point, but hey, at least we're getting there. You know what also I'd like to see? That, that the whole like Captain Rework, I still have a feeling that it was rushed and was just implemented because they needed it for subs. So they didn't actually like think about, like, you know, now each class has their own scale tree and yet nothing really interesting or not much interesting has been added to it so far. But with, with the latest update, they have uh, gone into some concepts that I've been trying to propose for a long time. More or less, like, for example, that the uh, the battleship, right, the more potential damage you get, the better the cooldown on your heal gets, right? I've uh, been trying to suggest things like, uh, you know, if you are on fire, or if you get more damage, then it, it uh, your damage con cooldown goes down, and things like that. So they have implemented something like that now. Uh, it's not necessarily a good skill. I think three points is too much for it. It might need some tweaking, but I like the direction they're going if they do more like. But I feel like there's so much missed opportunities still. Like proper tanking skills that synergize with brawling, right? Because brawling is so heavy on points. Or like secondaries are. Or why aren't there like skills for destroyers that, that uh, reward, for example, like spotting, right? You could have a destroyer skill that synergizes with how much spotting damage you do. Reward good gameplay. Skills are a way where you can uh, influence how people play the game in a sense, or you can reward people for, for I feel like, doing the right thing. Or destroyer, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, part of my concern with that is that spotting doesn't pay. Uh, that's something they need to probably should change yeah. in the background. Yeah, that, that too, right. Um, it should be properly rewarded. But imagine if your ship... The thing is, right, you are not doing only spotting. If, let's say, you're a Shimakasa, right? You're sailing in front of your fleet, you're spotting the enemies, and you're probably still shooting your torps, right? You could get a reward for your, I don't know, your torpedoes, your concealment, for, for something by by increasingly spotting damage. So yeah, you are yeah. you are getting more effective, and you actually want to spot, right? You incentivize that, people to, to do it. 
And that then lets you cash in in terms of better combat performance in the second yeah. half of the game, assuming the game gets that far, of course. So I, I might be worth pointing out that if you're getting a load of spotting damage, the enemy team is probably disintegrating so fast that you might not have much left to shoot at. But it's a combination of economic rewards and gameplay. And yeah, I agree with you. That idea does merit investigation and a bit of thought. Um, you know, I've but... always, I've also been thinking about like maybe increased combat performance if you're near like a cap circle. Right? Uh, it gives you a skill for maybe a battleship that if you are near a cap circle, you you get better heal cooldown or you get better damage cooldown. Okay, you you get something right because you want to incentivize the battleship to maybe take a more active role, to be tanking, to be fighting for an objective. Right? I feel like you know skills. Oh, the the biggest issue would be like standard battle, I guess. But, you know, standard battle is a mess anyway. Yeah. Well, it, it has the unfortunate thing that it's vanilla for everybody and people get tired of vanilla, basically. Uh, let's see what else has been going on. Oh, yeah. Um, public test 10.9 is up. One. Well, before we move on from from ideas, um, one and this this might get just this might get me shouted at entirely, but um, I I have wondered what if perhaps we had something more like the World of Tanks crew system, where you have multiple crew members, and therefore you even if it's just say you know like captain, engineer, and and gunner, and then you can um be a bit more granular with, with the captain's skills. Not necessarily the exact same crew system of World Tanks where you can have 50% crews and all that junk. Uh, but, um, yeah, just being able to, instead of packing everything in on the captain, just kind of, I don't know, expanding things a bit and having different areas with, with different crew members where you can fine-tune it a bit more than you can now. I mean, but basically, it would go be... into offering more joy, which I'm for, right? I feel like with the, yeah. the captain skill that, that you just have uh, more. But you know what? You, you, you wouldn't necessarily need a full crew for that. What you could have is you could have taps. You could basically take every captain has his uh, engineer, his chief engineer, and so on. And you just have a tap for the main captain, for like the, the chief engineer, yeah, and not... so on. Yeah. So not make them different people, but just give the captain again, his crew. Have the captain represent a crew and, and split things out a bit more in terms of, yeah, well, that could work. You, you could kind of argue, argue that they're sort of doing that because each column has typically, all is meant to have a particular theme to it. So you've got survivability, you've got firepower, you've got manoeuvre. They At least that was the theory when they first proposed the captain skills. I don't know how far they've drifted from it recently. Uh, but if you look at, say, the left-hand side on the battleship tree, you'll see it's got a lot of the small-caliber guns, the secondary focus skills, and things like that. So you have kind of got that idea of theming individual bits of a of the skill tree already. Um, and I think what you're proposing would just be to expand on that. The question is, how are you yeah, going to yeah. have 40, 50 skills that are reasonably unique from each other and aren't just, well, there probably will be just some flat passive bonuses and are still kept interesting for everybody? 
It, it definitely, I mean, this is, a, it's, it, I'm, I'm going to freely admit, it's a rather unformed thought. It's just a kind of vague musing that I've had that, you know, it's, it fits in with this, this, this segment, I suppose. And so it's not, it's not like I've sat down and fully sketched out how this might, might work. But yeah, you're right. It, it wouldn't really be necessarily adding anything new. It would just be adding a bit more um, potential depth to what we have already and maybe somewhat less of an awkward fit with some of the captain skills in some of the classes or lack yeah. thereof. Fu brings up a good thing in chat, and I think we've all brought it up as well before. The idea of a UI display it just shows you when your conditional skills are active. Hmm. Yeah, yes, there's something please. they announced is coming. I'm not sure when. They had a screenshot on some stream, I think. Uh, go or so. I'm not sure when, okay. but they, they've announced that this is coming. Show when the active skills are. But uh, back to Jedi's idea, I'm, I'm getting uh, more hyped about it. I mean, it's, it, I feel like you're onto something, Jedi, because what you could do is like you, you, everyone would have, in a sense, their own skill points. So the difference, I think, you should would be right. If you uh, like take make a separate engineer kind of, then you could have say the engineer has its own skill points and the gunner has its own skill points and so on, and then you can have like an engine or an engineering tree right where you basically are all about maybe your engine right and you can either focus into more speed or you can focus into more maneuverability or you can focus into more acceleration right you have sort of different but they are all engine improvement skills and you can pick the ones that you want and focus on on one thing when it comes to the engine. Then everybody has gunnery skills, right? So you don't have to, in the sense, choose between do I put my points into better gun performance or do I have to put it into more defense? But everybody has like sort of the defensive tree in a sense. And you can see if do you want to have better defense against torpedoes or against fires or whatever. And in the gunnery yeah. tree, do I want to focus on main guns or do I want to focus on secondary guns? Things like that. The, the tricky part would be how you would mesh that with the current point system like whether you would overhaul that entirely or i would just Cause... have the same like that the captain has its own crew and everybody's on the same level and you just get like maybe less points also you you have your captain tree your gunner tree your engineering tree and so on and everybody has like yeah i, I don't know 10 points or whatever in the end i mean you have to see how many skills there are and how expensive they are yeah, Dozzy just wants to engineer it named Montgomery Scott, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, I I think chat also brings up another good point of concern, um, which is that if you go too far down this rabbit hole, what happens if a, uh, say, if a brand new player runs into a captain and a player with a 50-point crew? I mean, it's already bad enough trying to fight off a 19-pointer at low tiers. This could mm. You're either going to water the skills down so much that individual skills feel imperceptible and therefore irrelevant as you progress up the tree, or your start-to-finish power gap is going to be so colossal that pity the newbie who wanders into a Tier 5 game with a load of veteran captains running around. To be honest, I think you could probably do it like the equipment slots where you get more of the equipment slots as you go up the tiers. You could have that same idea with this kind of crew system of you don't unlock those extra 
specialized crew slots or you know crew skill trees up until you 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 know progress up up through the tiers so you wouldn't necessarily have that problem on 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 the lower tiers that way yeah, you could just deactivate some skills. You could say, okay, I have four, four uh, tier five ship only tier one and tier two skills active on a captain. Even if your captain is better trained and has already more points, they just are not active, right? Actually, that's something you put into the current captain system. Yeah, that's uh, true. So you lock out. So if you say below tier seven, the four pointers get locked out. Um. But then you'd need to tie that again. The coding, I'm not again. I'm not sure how they've coded the skill systems and how it interfaces with the matchmaking. Even if it does at the moment, um, you need to ha- let the map have a look at the map and who is on the map and the matchmaking spread you're facing. And um, okay, now what skills do I need to lock out, and how do I do it? Well, I mean, not it's necessarily one of because... It sounds simple, but might be hellish to implement. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, obviously it would make it a slightly more unfair, but it's like a, a tier 7 ship doesn't get the tier 8 module slot just because it's in a tier 8 battle, right? So you, you'd just lock it by ship. Of course, that makes certain tiers maybe a little bit more questionable if you're going into facing higher tiers. But you could also I... just go it with like the, the, like each match has a tier, right? Uh, yeah. it's a tier 10 match if the maximum tier is tier 10 it's a tier 8 match if the maximum tier is tier 8 so you could also just go with the maximum tier 8 unlocks the maximum uh, skills you could also just instead of having points where each skill costs you points you could say like because you have different trees you see have everybody gets one tier 1 skill one tier 2 skill one tier 3 skill one tier 4 skill in like the primary captain in engineering and so on. And every time you have like maybe three options or so only, right? In, in every tree, you just pick one from each tier so that you can't have somebody who, like in the current system, you could pick all tier one skills. I mean, I'm, if you're suggesting adjusting that dynamically on the fly for every match, I don't think that's going to work. Um, you would have to, I think the only way you could really do that is have the player manually designate which kind of which skills they want active at which tier brackets so they would have to choose so i mean the idea is if you can only pick one tier one you don't in like if let's say you had the current system right and you lock out tier four skills in a tier seven battle and you'd have a tier seven captain right which doesn't have tier four skills and you spend all the points in lower tiers right that would be inconvenient yeah but if you hey, just pick yeah. one tier one skill, one tier two, one tier three, and one tier four, and you don't yeah. have, then oh, then it would be easy to lock out the higher skills, right? Well, not necessarily because uh, when you're setting your captain up, and you don't know what you're going to get when you hit random. You're not sure if you're getting a so, tier four skill, but does that change what tier three skill you want because yeah. you don't get so a tier four skill? You, you can't set your captain up if you optimize your captain. Say okay. This captain is mostly going to be playing at tier whatever. Then I'm going to optimize him to. Uh, uh, sorry, my brain is not straight on today. Uh, yeah, if you lock a captain to a tier five ship, you're going to say, okay, you are capped at. Yeah, th- this starts going around in circles when you start figuring out how to put a 19 point captain onto a tier five ship, which is the scenario that I think a lot of people are going to consider as seal club time 
in this situation. So it would be interesting to see. Okay, congratulations. The lowest ship in this game is tier five. Hmm, right. Okay, we're going to knock out all your tier eight plus. Sorry, we're going to knock out the all the stuff that would normally be tier eight plus. Uh, have fun. Um, max points might be for captains one to four, no one ten points. Yeah, but then SJR, you get the point of if I take a 19 point captain, I buy all the tier, all the one and two point skills, then I'll still have an advantage to an extent. So, how do you control that? Because that captain can be put on a tier five ship, he'll never get into a tier eight plus game. Yeah. Stupidity aside. So it's one of those things where it's an interesting concept. It sounds like it would be fun. And then you get into the weeds. Yeah, these things always end up being um, considerably more complicated than than that first initial. Oh, yeah, why won't, why don't we do this? And you start thinking and, about and it. Then you have to turn it into computer code. Yes. I mean, the thing is, what you can also do with a system like this is just uh, make it easy to grind like to a... To, uh, competitive level and then just make the the end the last points very difficult to get to level the playing field so instead of locking out skills you just say okay in a very short time you get to a level where you have most of the skills and then the last ones are just you know a grind or something like that and then you either get people getting put off by the sudden steep grind curve or you get the perception that you must have the absolute max that last five ten percent to be competitive and you end up with a backlash that hits the likes of uh, Crew 2. But we already have that. Like, the, the 21 pointer is such a grind, right? Especially from the, yep. the 19 pointer already, right? Now we have the 21 pointers, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's already there, right? Yeah, and they're so, already getting backlash on it. So uh, that gives you an idea of the upper limit of what the player base will tolerate. Yeah, but you could have made, I mean, speaking of this, what they should have done is they should have said that, you know, the old. Uh, amount of experience that got you to 19 now gets you to 21 and we adjust the curve that would have been a good solution right good for us but then how would you monetize it because ultimately they're a business they <laughs> got they gotta put dough on the table in order to put bread on the table i'm gonna stop before i abuse that metaphor any further but yeah, as, as no, you no, said continue. earlier you don't have to monetize like I mean, you know, it's it's not like you have to pay money to press the play button, right? You have to find the different uh, the the balance between making a good game and stuff where that you actually charge money for. Indeed. Uh to drop over to chat for a second, SJR know each of those lines is I believe a separate code. And it's the sixth anniversary, wargaming of love bombing the player base in more ways than one right now. So, yeah, free stuff. Not sure what they're giving out on tonight's stream, mind you. Yeah, there is also... I think there is a mission if you watch for two hours or so. Also, by the way, I, I think Boom said that the... the when, when, like the current port in screen, right? It, it's a login screen of all of our ships, and I think the username, if you put that into the code... I like that's a code, right? Username in the yeah, game They've apparently hidden a ton of little Easter eggs and similar in the new designers table, I believe. But, uh, yeah, speaking of which, um, shall we bimble on to the 10.9 PTS? And the article on the main website there.
Uh, oh, well, on the main website. Well, that's cheating. Let's have a look then. <laughs> you still like uh, bring that up? Yeah, let's have a looky. So, is... public test now uses main accounts. So, huzzah! Yeah, but this has been a change a while ago. Yeah, True, but I feel like that's not that new. But it might be new for people who don't normally look at the public test, so it's worth having a little huzzah that we no longer have to have separate PTS accounts. Um, let me see, what else are they saying? Asymmetric battles are back, which is curious. Those seem to be uh, very mixed in terms of reception, depending on which side of the team you are on. I mean, it's always hard to make asymmetric battles. The thing yep. is, you have to make it not just balanced, but also so that people want to play both sides. Because nobody wants to be in the low tier ship, right? Even if they are technically maybe the strongest side. I I suppose it depends which low tier ship you're in. Uh... The, yeah, the Kalsley sisters don't really care what they're shooting at. I mean, tier 5 battleship, okay. Tier 7 battleship, well, hey, bigger numbers. And that was about it as far as the practical effect went. But, hmm. we'll see. It's, it's Again, it's good that they're experimenting with ways to shake up. Let's say we basically have two game modes, standard and randoms that we've had for ages. They're trying to bring the ops back. Maybe they can fix the AIs. Let's hope so. They're experimenting with convoys. They're bringing back randoms. Sorry, um, asymmetrics. And they, they're iterating again on the Halloween event. So it looks like they're mixing the old style Rasputin stuff and the the big hunt event that we were having that we've had for the last couple of festive mm. seasons. Oh, uh, are they bringing the uh, the, the old uh, operations kind of things back? Not exactly. Um, it is Twilight Hunt, so the basic rules seem fairly similar to Big Hunt that we've had, but with uh -huh. Twilight skins. So uh, Rasputin is back. Ha ha! Ah. Uh, but uh, they are not bringing like the old operations back where, where we had to escort no. the ship with the treats and so on. Not as far as I'm aware, though. No. That's a shame. Yeah, but hey, may maybe they will just for the for the giggles. I mean, we won't know until the event itself goes live. Um, German battleships are starting in 10.9, tiers 3 through 10 in early access. Interesting that they're committing straight to the tier 10. And certainly the fact that it's coming right after the uh, the Soviet carriers feels like they've made things quite crowded as well in that regard. I, I think what they're doing is they're trying to get the way they're timing this. German battleships, you think about it, it'll be October, November, December. And then in January, with that release cycle done, submarines. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that they only have one patch for the Soviet carriers. Like, we just now got Soviet carriers, and the next patch, they already the German battleships. It's not something they've ever done, right? That they have one patch, I, a new line, and the next patch, already the next line. 
I would observe two things in that regard. One, it's only half a line because carriers, even tears only. Yeah. And second, aircraft carriers. <laughs> Soviet aircraft carriers. Maybe they're hoping to if they do a If they try to do a three-month hype fest on Soviet <laughs> aircraft carriers, can you imagine uh, what the... America, sorry, North American and European communities are going to look like. I mean, carriers get people foaming at the mouth. Paper ships tend yeah. to get people foaming, unless you've got a good argument, say, incomparable. And Soviet paper carriers. Yeah, let's... I'll, I'll just be over here when the Inferno's burned itself out. <laughs> you mean they just deliberately were like, oh, we have this anniversary event and there are like uh, stuff that you can earn from playing the ships and there's all this cool stuff. And oh, yeah, there's a Soviet carrier happening. But, but it's, it's uh, don't don't pay attention. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're putting the... I, um, I, I, think they I think they deliberately fast-cycle the Soviet carriers to line the Germans up for a... to be done by the end of the year. Yeah, I don't know. Quite possibly. Um, but it's had some interesting consequences. Uh, one of my one of the people on my Discord has posted up a couple of results because, of course, Molka is the mm -hmm. tier is the Twitch Prime reward this month. Mm. Um, he apparently apparently she's a little bit dirty. In in what regard? I I seem to remember, and this is going back to the very brief period of getting to test, but the concealment was pretty good. And if you put brisk on it, you could make it very fast and very sneaky, kind of excessively so for yeah. I'm trying to find the screenshot, but suffice to say he ran up a close to 100,000 damage game. I I in a tier four battle. If I haven't changed it, then I am kind of not surprised that the fact that they haven't changed it is the surprising bit to me. But yeah, and of course, one of the consequences of this fast walk on the Soviet carrier release is that normally we'd have three, two, three patches to publicly test and fine tune the next wave. And of course, with the fast snap release of the Soviet carriers. German battle cruisers are now hitting the live server two months earlier than would normally be expected. So I wonder if, ironically enough, a lack of testing is about to jump out and grab them. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> true, true that. We'll see, but yeah, I... Yeah. I... I hope the line isn't just like, especially at the lower tiers, broken because that's definitely we don't need more low tier dirty ships. I mean, they they killed low tier so efficiently anyway that it's uh, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I mean, I don't know if either you remember what Visby was like when she first got into public test. She she was a monster. Um, thirty nine knots, good guns. Oh, and better torps than the Miyakaze. Oh, and it's on a platform that I think stealth down to five point four as well. I mean, it was hands down the best tier five destroyer going. And yeah, they nerfed her after a month of PT. 
Um, so, yeah, hopefully it won't bite, but there is a chance that it might, I think is the best way to sum it up. Also, by by the way, since you mentioned the 100k, uh, fun fact, my most damage game at tier 4 was in a Wyoming with 158,000 points of damage. Yes, officers, this man right here. <laughs> I think I once managed a 100k game in, like, the Bogatier, but that was when you could still buff the 150 mil guns, which, of course, you can't anymore. No, you can't. I'd like to say that's an unfortunate thing, but it really, really isn't. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to uh, to rebuff the Krasny Krim, though. That That's definitely feeling a little sad these days. Yeah, um, and in fact, it's actually kind of interesting. Wargaming have managed to avoid power creep to a large extent. If you look at some stuff like the Mog, like the 155 Mogami, the Artigo, the Turpit stuff from five, six years ago, mm. it's still pretty competitive if you know what you're doing. So, I mean, I mean, props to Ouija for that. They have managed to largely av avoid power creep. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say that. I mean, they there have been there quite a few ships out there. Oh, I mean, they sneak in some uh, leg cluster lines now and then. I think between the overpowered lines, but uh, there are there are definitely ships that could use quite a bit of attention. Like I'm looking at yeah. uh, Yui Yang also. Zhao. Um, Zhao, Zhao, I think yes. is going to be the poster child for unloved power crept ships but interestingly she's you have ships like the Artigo which aren't that power crept or don't feel it and then very similar concept ships like the Zao where you kind of go, end up thinking ha huh, so why is that one feeling off but that one feels okay when they're between those particular two examples I think yes. the heel is a huge factor yeah Artigo just has a heal at tier 8, although notably that's proliferated a little as well. Yes. But it definitely, heal. like, heal cruisers are, tend to sort of be a different tier at tier 8 than others, it feels like. It just can make such a difference that you can recover, especially, like, cruisers are often so punished from battleships from far away before their overmatch mechanics. Mm, true, true. Um, let's see what else are they putting out? of course anniversary events are on so stock up on free stuff obviously yeah what what you'd like there once again like you get something for the first winner or the first yeah or there was uh, something with base experience in the ship, but i don't know what do you get for each tier um it's super containers i think at tier 10 uh tier 9 i think is gift containers i'll actually just fire up the client and double check and i think tier 5 to tier 8 is the uh you get a single token that you can get the anniversary camos with but also boxes because the collection this time isn't actually a collection it's a jigsaw puzzle for some oh, reason yeah. So, so it's one of these things where the more ships you have, you know, it, the better off you are. It's basically. a differently presented collection then. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the... And yeah, obviously there are some uh, special... I don't know. Yeah, so it's achievements again. 
15 tokens for a perma camo. Um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of those perma camos, to be honest. I, it kind of looks I, all right on some of the ships, but I'm not, I think it's more the color scheme they've picked than anything else. What, the dark blue and neon green? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, are those the, the camels there? Yes, those camels. I don't, I mean, have to see them in game. Like, if, if they're the. If this stuff was like glowing, like space camo, like, like LED ish, I could see the appeal. Just reminds I mean... me that I want darker maps, right? Have you seen like on a map with very low light, like the Minotaur camo, where you really see all of those uh, those uh, light light effects? It's just so beautiful. A Minotaur on like a dark yeah. map is just a beauty to behold with the space camo. Yeah, yeah, and the arpeggio camos look a lot better at low light as well, which is what they've always showed as being at in the series. So. Kind of yeah, finished, is this really. one like tier, around tier five map that's actually at nightish with with like a nice moon on it? I forgot the name, but there there is one dark map at at lower tiers. Shame they should make more like that. Yeah, it, it would be it would be nice, but again, we're wishlisting, aren't we? Well, true. A little bit. But, uh, you know, imagine not, if they started the listening to, to, like, feedback and actually, <laughs> didn't they say they wanted to do this more? Yeah, yeah, they did. And they're, they're going to get exactly what they're asking for. I don't think there's any question of that. Uh, okay, full list is, um, they're all tier seven ships. So we've got the Leon, the York, the Shores, Gajamada, Akatsuki, and Zara all have these camos. Like I said, it looks better on some of them than others. Uh, they're 15 yeah. tokens each. Uh, dist- you can get a, three, a maximum of three distant voyages containers for 10 tokens each. Uh, the gift containers, which usually just contain a couple of flags or camos, they are five tokens each for a maximum of 25. Uh, there's anniversary camos you can buy individually, and then the six-year anniversary containers, of which you can get a maximum of 30. So the, the prices aren't that expensive, but you're only getting one token per you know ship from Tier 5 to Tier 8. So actually, I think you do with the Tier 9s as well. Do you get a token? Yeah, you do get a token as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's uh, the Tier 10s are super containers only. Okay. No tokens there. So basically, everyone's going to clear their tier tens and then hoover up on tokens if they want yeah. camos. I can see you getting one or two of them, but there's no way I'm breaking my back to try and get all of them. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, that seems fair. I mean, it's not like I play all those ships anyway. I don't even have all those ships. I think. Actually, no, I, I don't have a Zara. I think, oh, do I? I don't even know. <laughs> Zara's one of the ones that it doesn't look very good on. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't work so well with the red and white. It's they, they... In, the, in the port, and this is a complete aside, but if you click on the preview thing, they've 
forgotten to fully translate the UI to click you back to the. Like, it's part of it's in Russian for some reason. Oh, still. So, oops. Well, I mean, Communi- communication is a work in progress, commerce. <laughs> I'll, I'll take whatever progress we can get at this point. If that's the only bug they have, I will, I will really celebrate, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah, free stuff's always nice, and they've managed not to go too mad with the bundles this time. It's it's all stuff that you can grind out, although I suppose there is then the incentive to maybe buy back ships that you've sold previously or blow free XP to get ships that you're researching to just so you can get, you know, another super container or something like that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's 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 a nice event. They they have oh, I, I haven't seen anything that they really fucked up. No, the the birthday events are usually quite benign. Is that the right word? Maybe I, I don't know. They're, 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 they're usually not nice. aggressively monetized. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think is the best way to put it. I've managed not to be too obnoxious. Yeah. So I think we've covered wanted to talk about or does anyone have a nice I topic? Am, I'm going to jump in with a bit of breaking news. Uh, pull up the World of Warships Twitter. Oh, do I really want to? Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, oh, ship in development. Oh, that's okay. That's an outline of something. Yeah. Uh, usual funnel. Very, un- and yes, and apparently identification from a number of people is it's a Spanish cruiser, the Canarias class. Ah, okay. well, you know, that's one of the the nations of that era that we have seen kind of nothing of up until now, where there's certainly... Like this, with in terms of what we don't have, it's it's kind of like what Spain, the uh, Ottomans slash Turkey, and what possibly one or two others that would fit into, say, a European or a, a yeah, a Pan American tree. Yes, there are uh, there are a number of um, the problem is that if you look at major navies, we've kind of got them all. For the period, yes, um, and a lot of their ships, which is why we're seeing an increasing amount of what ifs and paper. Uh, but these were apparently a variant of the county class. Two ships done: Canarias and Baleares. Uh, Baleares was sunk in the civil war, sixth of March, nineteen thirty-eight, in the Battle of Cape Palos. Canarias got it all the way to nineteen seventy-five before she was decommissioned. Um, both got seized by the Nationalists in the Civil War. Canarias sank 34 ships, including the Almirante Fernandes and a Soviet merchant, the Cosmosol. 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 Words. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Uh, Baleares is a bit different. Uh, White turret wasn't added until later. Um... Torpedoes blew up the Ford magazine. Yeah. Interestingly, the Baleares ran into the destroyer Lepanto, who I think we... Do we have her in-game? 
Oh, Lepanto is a battleship in game, right? Uh, yeah, right. Okay, no, this is Lepanto. The Spanish Lepanto is a uh, destroyer in the Republican Navy. Um, same naming though, the Battle of Lepanto. Uh, she ran into the Canarias, torpedoed her, and basically detonated the magazine. So yeah, a Spanish ship coming to World of Warships, assuming everyone's identified the uh, silhouette correctly, and that funnel is so distinctive that I think that there's not much possibility of a misidentification. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see, right? Uh, adding more historical ships and ships that people might actually be interested in. That that's a good thing. Probably the question mark is then if it's is is it going to be in the European the tree or if it's going to be a separate Spanish? Because I I would suspect it would be in the European tree. I think my probably my thought would be in the pan-European tree as well. I'm just not sure how significant the. Spanish Navy was in World War Two because, of course, Spain was neutral. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there, there there was some action during the Civil War, as you said, but um, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, by the by the time you get to the the the, the Second, Second World, World War, War well, they're uh, they're keeping that, their heads down to a large yeah, extent, and I think Spain sort of in the thirties was having economic problems anyway, so they they didn't have a significant fleet by that point compared to even like the tone of the century they still had battleships and whatnot at that point yeah um yeah of course they got pretty badly hammered in the spanish-american war and i'm not sure how far they rebuilt in the dreadnought era um riff war during early 20th centuries Significant split, of course, during the Civil War. Uh, here, especially when they became divided after the coup. Uh, here we are. So they had apparently had two small dreadnoughts. Um, no, that's not right, because that, that says only one large destroyer. Uh, that's the Amarante. Ferrandes, and we already know they had the Lepanto as well, so this article is wrong in at least one important <laughs> respect. Uh, Joyce, I, I would have to do more research to see if there was enough of a Spanish Navy to be uh, it's viable. Not like we came, it's not like, it's we, not came like we came prepared. prepared for this. Yeah. No. <laughs> this has literally <laughs> just been posted on Twitter. Yes. But, but, uh, but finally, so... finally, we get the, the Spanish Inquisition jokes into World of Warships. It's been so long that we've been denied that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, it was, and that was completely unexpected. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to get lots of uh, destroyers. battles Historical. started with, aha, here comes the comfy chair and such like. Indeed. Um, so, destroyers, they've got. They've got a fair few classes, so they they put down the Destructor as a prototype in 1887, the Fur- Six Furore class 1897 to 98. World War One, they've got three, the Bustamante class. Uh, let's have a look at what these had. 500 Egos, 530 tons. Those are tiny. That's tier two at best. 
Yeah, that's a tier two. I mean, that's roughly comparable with the Tachibana's at first glance on the specs. Five two-inch, five fifty-seven millimeter guns. Those would actually be the smallest guns in the game, if I'm doing my math. Well, certainly the smallest uh, primary ones, yeah. Yeah. But, but remember, um, they made an entire German battle cruiser line out of uh, like World War One uh, ships, so it, it's not true. like that's gonna stop walking. But I guess True, they yeah. put it into a pan-European tree at first, and they can always split it later, like they did with the Dutch. They did. They did get a bit of a backlash with the Dutch when they did that, though. Um, I've okay. They've got a. F... I. Yeah, I. I would have to do a much deeper dive. Pun only slightly intended, but. Uh... I, I, at first glance, I don't quite think they've got enough to make a full tech, a full nation out of it. It always depends how much paper drawing is there, right? True. It depends how much paper you're willing to tolerate. Dawson is suggesting we get a uh, camera of red robes. I think mm. we have a we have a plain red paint job in the game, don't we? Yeah, but it needs like the little bit of decoration, like make it. Sure, that it's the Inquisition, probably like a cross somewhere. Don't forget the hat. Oh, yeah, the hat. We, we need the hat. That is important. Can't be an Inquisitor if you don't have a and huge you could have, hat. And I mean, you could have, like, on, on the deck somewhere a comfy chair. Yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a last-minute info drop from Wargaming. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So maybe more cool stuff to look forward to. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I. I mean, we've just we've we've just had a contribute. Wargaming haven't fucked up this week. This this, this is yeah. A welcome change. <laughs> well, that's definitely the headline. Oh God! Yeah. How how you? Let's see if they let's see if they can just carry on. And take yeah. it from being the headline to being just normality. Well, we are looking at the, some point in the next two weeks of whatever their plan is for the CC program. You know, I've said that's going to be revealed. So who knows? There's, there's time for them to formulate something still that'll piss everyone off. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Possibly. Oh, yes. Possibly, maybe. We, we'll see. Maybe the plan is just to put shock collars around CCs in the future to prevent rebellion. <laughs> I remind you that it was barratry, not mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, shall we wrap things up there? That seems like we've just about yeah. done with all there is to talk about. Indeed, and Zed Files has suggested that we may have just jinxed it. Well, if we have, we'll find out on Monday <laughs> or Wednesday. Well, maybe we got out at just the right point to avoid the shock, Collis. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Israel, again for joining us once more. Thanks, everybody You're here welcome. for watching it. And we'll see you all guys in the future. Indeed. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Bye.